Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I have Brittany Larson with me today. She's an experienced communications professional with an extensive background in crisis communications and public relations. She leads the public relations department at the Summit Group. Brittany recently launched Livelihood, a community for women who work. She's going to cover some topics today for women who are thinking about getting back into the workplace. So welcome, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. So Brittany, let's start off with your advice for women who are getting back into the workforce, either after a hiatus because they've been raising their children or they've been too traumatized to work or women who have perhaps never been in the workplace in the first place. Just in general, I think it's a really exciting time to be a woman. Uh, Flexibility has never been more on the table or more expected. It's a really exciting time to get back into work if you've been raising your kids or maybe you want to try something new and different. There are so many barriers that we don't face that even our mother's generations faced. And so my number one piece of advice for women who say they've been raising their kids and they've decided to go back to work or maybe they need to supplement their income or they want to completely change their direction is to balance patience with determination. We often talk about the stereotype of women being told no or they are too afraid or shy or concerned about figuring out what they're worth. You kind of have to find that balance between being patient but also being determined. If you're coming back into the workforce after years of not building up your resume in that way, you're going to have to be patient. But if you are determined, you're going to be rewarded. And the way I think of it is like a scale. One side of it is your employer and the other is you. And when you first start out, either in a new career or you're getting back into things or you've just graduated from college, the scale is tipped drastically in your employer's favor. You maybe have like a coin or two because you have a degree or a trade skill or something like that. But as you gain experience, those scales can slowly start to shift. It will take time. You really can make your own way now. And that's something that I find really encouraging as a woman. Many women that listen to this podcast are not wanting to work. Right, right. They are forced to work because of their situation. And there are some really negative emotions around that because they have been, for example, abandoned or they've had to file for divorce because of their husband's abusive behaviors. So there's a lot of extra baggage that comes along with being forced to look for a job when you don't want to, when really you want to take care of your kids or because you've been enjoying a job that has a really low pay, but now you're like, oh, this job's not going to work anymore because now I have to support my family. There's another scenario here, which is many addicts are not very good with jobs. Mm-hmm. So they get fired sometimes because they're looking at pornography at work or because their social skills are very poor. So there may be women listening to this who have always been the primary breadwinner and their husband has had difficulty with jobs or women who have always been in poverty because their husband's jobs have always been terrible or they've been switching jobs a lot. I just wanted to put that out there about the serious negative emotions Mm -hmm. that can surround work when a woman is in trauma. What are your thoughts about that? I got married later than maybe I had originally anticipated and really had to figure out how to provide for myself and supported myself through college. And I think that a lot of it is about 
lowering your expectations, which sounds so negative, but when you're going into it and you're not doing it because you're passionate about it or you love it, which I will tell you, I don't really think that's a thing. I've always kind of resented that part of my millennial upbringing that work is to be enjoyed and it's supposed to fulfill you. I really truly think that work should be a piece of your life. And so whatever trauma that you're recovering from, or like you said, if you're being forced to work and you're having to do something that you don't want to do, I would try as much as possible to focus on what it's enabling you to do. Your eight hours on your shift may not be the thing that's fulfilling you. But if it's enabling you to provide for your family, if it's helping you to heal, if it's giving you an identity outside of your home or maybe your specific situation that you're going through, if you can focus on those things, that's what I'd suggest. As women are looking to come back into the workforce or thinking about it or considering it, let's talk about how they can develop skills in non-traditional ways. There's so many ways to gain knowledge that you couldn't get access to even just a few years ago. So I would suggest if there's something that you've been interested in, start educating yourself about it, whether it's learning a new language or developing a craft skill or going on YouTube and learning about design. There really is no limit to what you can figure out and train yourself to do. There are so many options for women to develop skills that don't cost a lot of money, whether it be classes at your library or finding a woman who's willing to mentor you. You don't have to be limited to having a four-year degree. And actually, trade skills are increasingly going to become more important. And maybe you're going to school for six months instead of getting into debt and going to school for four years. But I think that there are just a lot of different ways to attain that knowledge that used to be very limited. Figure out what it is that you want to learn then find someone who's doing what you want to do. Find someone that, that can help you do that. I frequently have women message me who would like to volunteer for us. Mm-hmm. The cool thing is they've been developing amazing marketable skills. For example, one of the women who volunteered for us is now able to be the social media director of another nonprofit oh, wow. because of the skills she learned through volunteering for us. Right now, I'm actually looking for a volunteer to find grants. Grant writing is a wonderful skill to learn, and it's actually marketable. Through the mentoring that we do here at Betrayal Trauma Recovery, we've been able to train many women to have marketable jobs, which has been really exciting for me to see them grow and learn. Oh, I love that. And also good for them because when women are in trauma, at least at the beginning, a lot of times they want to work on something like this because their whole world is revolving around their healing at the time. And then when they're healed more and they feel like, oh, you know what? I could take two grant writing classes at the university or I could take this certification and be a professional grant writer. Then they can apply for jobs elsewhere. So if you're interested in social media or grants or anything involving nonprofits, reach out to a nonprofit that you appreciate, volunteer for them, gain some skills through that, be mentored that way. And that's another way to gain skills in a non-traditional way, but also to gain, I would say, non-traditional skills. Mm -hmm. Like so many people are looking for people to run their social media nowadays or their blog or website editing or other things that many companies need. A lot of women, once they get those skills and they're really good at it, I can put an ad up on KSL. I can run your social media. Absolutely. 
if you're not in Utah, KSL is the most like popular classified. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So what suggestions do you have to gain confidence in the workplace? I think confidence is so important as women are looking to join the workforce again. This is something that I struggle with. I can usually fake it till I make it. (laughs) And I would say that's the same with this. And if you become the cheerleader of the people around you, it only does good things for you. It will open up doors. And if anyone had something to say about me, I build confidence up in other people on my team of 12. I really try hard to be an example of building them up publicly. So I have like a little bell in my office. So when they do something awesome and they all think it's really cheesy and annoying, but I ring my bell because I just want them all to hear about this awesome thing that their team member's doing. Or I compliment them in really specific ways. I try not to be superficial about it. You really did a good job of presenting to this client, or I can tell you really improved in this specific way. Another thing that I'll say is to assume that you're going to fail, especially if you're coming into a new position or you're working and you don't want to be, you always have something to learn. Having that attitude will actually give you more confidence. It may seem counterintuitive, but owning that you always have something to learn will only help the other people around you feel more confident in what you're doing because nothing makes me more nervous than someone who's overly confident who shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you're humble about it and own that you're not perfect, you help other people lift you up and then you can do that in return. And then the last thing I'll say is just to always ask, I love what Sheryl Sandberg says in Lean In, and that is that women just need to raise their hands more. Mm -hmm. And I could see, again, if you're coming back into the workforce and that's not an environment that you're used to, ask questions. There really are no stupid questions. Be prepared for rejection. Be prepared that people might think that it's a weird or a different question, but you can bounce back from that and gain confidence along the way. Mm -hmm. I saw a TED talk about how we need to teach our daughters to be brave rather than perfect. Mm, I love that. That applies here. I have a favorite saying from a blogger. I'll give her a shout out. Her name's Emily Lay. And her trademark saying is, I will hold myself to a standard of grace, not perfection. And that runs through my mind all day long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good. With Betrayal trauma recovery, everyone who works for or volunteers for betrayal trauma recovery. So all of our coaches have experienced it themselves. They're well into their healing process. Me, I'm still recovering from an abusive relationship that was really, really intense and super traumatizing. All of our volunteers are. And I was talking to our board chair and I told him, you know, it's kind of rough sometimes one of the volunteers has a really bad day. You know, she had to file for divorce that day, for example. Mm-hmm. She got a legal notice. And mm-hmm. so we all have to be very flexible to work around the trauma episodes that might happen or the very difficult things, knowing that many of us are single moms. And I said, so that's probably our main weakness. Right. And he said, no, that is your biggest strength. Oh, I love that. You understand what it's like to be an abuse survivor. So even if you say the wrong thing, or even if you make a mistake, one of our coaches is amazing. She is so on the ball and so responsible. And one morning she accidentally set her alarm for 4 p.m. rather than 4 a.m. to get on one of our groups, right? (laughs) And she missed the group and she felt terrible. We've all been there. (laughs) But the night before she'd been through some awful things. We are all working together to provide 
both the people that work for us and volunteer for us and also our clients so much grace. And our nonprofit culture is amazing that way. Mm, I love that. I want to come work for you. (laughs) The main thing we need is for women to know about us because once they find us and once they start listening to the podcast, they learn so many things that they didn't know they needed to know. Yeah. So we just want every woman to know that we exist so that when the beep hits the fan, (laughs) they know where to go. They're like, oh, I know what to do. I look at the betrayal trauma recovery checklist. So let's talk about how women can supplement their income outside of their nine to five job. I don't think I have a single friend that has a traditional career. I have some friends who are teachers, but then in the summer they do crazy cool stuff or they're doing research on the side. I have a bunch of friends who work in public relations because that's what I do. And a bunch of them do freelance on the side. There's just a lot of different ways that you can either supplement your traditional nine to five job. Cool examples that I'd like to share. Like I have a friend who makes really good money selling designs on Amazon. She's a stay at home mother. She's got three kids under four and basically put her husband through grad school by selling on Amazon. She completely figured out how to use Adobe Illustrator through YouTube videos. And I just think that's one of the coolest examples that I've heard. And she was so determined to do it during nap time and when her kids went to sleep. I have another friend whose husband was diagnosed with cancer about three months after they got married. Mm -hmm. And they've been married for years now, and he's still going through treatments. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for her to have a traditional job. I just think this is really neat. She's got a coloring book. Instagram coloring book companies pay her to film adult coloring books. You know, she'll do like the mindfulness ones. She just did some for Star Wars a few days ago. And she's actually supplementing their income by making these really fun and creative videos. Mm -hmm. Another really, really cool example. There's a ton of women who teach English to children in China online in the morning before their kids are even awake. Mm -hmm. And I have a few friends from church who are doing that, who are in the kind of single mom trying to figure out what's next group. And it's been a really good bridge to their next thing. Mm -hmm. There aren't limits. I don't think this is probably the best thing to do if you're trying to put food on the table because it's really, really tough to to find consistency in the beginning. But I will say that I I can name off the top of my head five friends who quit their nine to five jobs because that side hustle ended up giving them more flexibility and more money in the long run. Yeah. And there's so many different ways to do it. Yeah. So many women who are in trauma, they're recovering. And so they're reading books about abuse or reading books about porn addiction or sex addiction. And they're just so immersed in it. And Mm -hmm. so I get a lot of women saying, oh, I want to be an AppSats coach. And I tell them, get a lot of recovery down, you know, two to three years first, and then see if you're still interested in it. I have been in this field, in this industry for seven years, Mm -hmm. working for other organizations and then starting my own organization. So I know this is my calling. But I found a lot of women, once they're out of the crisis stage and they're two or three years into recovery, they start thinking, wait a minute, you know what? My true love is interior design. And I'm kind of sick of talking about recovery. Right. You might have volunteered for betrayal trauma recovery, for example, or another nonprofit that you're interested in during the interim and built up some skills, maybe design skills, maybe social media skills, whatever they are. But then once you're feeling peaceful, you're stabilized, you're safe, 
then start to think, you know, if I had to talk about this every single day <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. But I know a lot of women, once they're stabilized and in recovery, they might want to schedule a support call once every six months if something happens. But other than that, they're on their way, right? They're looking to the future. Right. If you're still in trauma or still trying to heal from trauma, you don't want to make major life decisions about the whole career track that you're going to go on or whatever. You want to be stable before you make giant life-changing decisions like that. Right. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I think what's nice about something like this is you can experiment, you can see what you're drawn to, you can always adjust and figure out, you know, what you enjoy, like you said, after you've healed. It's always a process and yeah. and that's yeah. okay. We're, we need to enjoy the journey. Yeah. So in terms of women in the workplace, what can women do to set themselves apart? Again, one of the reasons why I started Livelihood was because I feel like Women are either known as being passive and not asking for what they're worth or they're the other extreme and they're intense and they're crazy and were other words I won't say. <laughs> to set yourself apart, removing emotion from your work, I actually think is really important. And I don't mean don't be a woman and I don't mean don't have passion in what you do. But I've always found that really focusing on the task at hand sets you apart. I've had a lot of female bosses, unfortunately, who I think let emotion kind of rue the day. And you didn't even get to see through that to get to the great work that they were doing. And so if I was coming into the workplace, after going through something really emotional, I would try really hard to kind of separate those things as much. Like I said earlier, focus on what you're getting out of your job. Is it to put food on the table and help support your family? Is it to develop a skill that you hope will be a long-term career. And then just to be a beacon of positivity. I know I talked about building up other people around you, but I think one thing that can be tied to kind of that negative emotion or maybe being too intense or on the flip side where you're passive, you're not pushing for what you deserve is to be positive. Be positive about how you react to getting a last minute assignment. If you have to cover for a friend's shift, be positive about it. And it's crazy how that is so rare and how often I am told when I really have to work on that. I, that's not my natural disposition at all. I'm quick to try and solve problems. So I like to point out problems, but I've been surprised, especially this is something I've worked on over the last couple of years. When I react positively, how well that's received. I actually got a note from my boss a couple of months ago after I did a public shout out to a team member and he said, this is why people love working with you. And I really needed that that day. <laughs> I think that that's one way that we can really be different mm -hmm. is to be positive. And that doesn't mean you have to be Pollyanna. That doesn't mean you have to, you know, fake it. I really hate the like, just smile and everything will be okay. <laughs> that's not at all what I'm saying. But I think if you can find the good in other people, they'll find it in you. And that I think is another reason why healing from the trauma is so important. Because if we're still having trauma triggers, which has happened to me, oh, I've had sure. serious trauma triggers, mm -hmm. uh, just a simple work thing could turn into a really big trauma trigger. Or you could have a really intense work thing happen, like a boss betray you or abuse you. Mm -hmm. And your trauma could be really intense from that. And so if you have to work now, which many women do, or they, they don't have to, but they choose to, 
still making sure that they're working on their recovery. And that just made me think that I am very, very sensitive and I care a lot about my work. Mm-hmm. And I think in most cases, I lean too heavily on it being so much of who I am. And one thing that I keep learning as I get older is that it's not personal. Right. And I think that could be really helpful for someone who's healing from trauma that it's going to feel personal. The way my mom describes it, which I think is kind of funny, is like you slowly build up your armor, mm-hmm. protecting yourself in the sense that you're not vulnerable, but you just know this isn't about me. It's about the bottom line. This isn't about me. It's about my coworker. Being able to get to that place, it's hard for anyone, but the sooner that you can get there, I think the more productive you'll be. I agree. And it takes a while to heal from that. Yeah. When you've been traumatized, everything is personal, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're suffering from PTSD, mm-hmm. it is so painful and difficult just surviving. Mm-hmm. Well, Brittany, I appreciate you taking the time. Brittany's website is livelihood.com. It's with a Y. So it's L-I-V-L-Y hood, H-O-O-D.com. We encourage you, if you're interested in workplace issues, to check out her website and message her. You can ask her questions. If you have comments, you can also comment on our website. Go to btr.org backslash podcast and you can find us there. I would like to publicly thank the woman who runs our social media. I can't say her name on the air, but she is amazing and wonderful and she works really hard. Also, the dedicated volunteers that help with betrayal, trauma, recovery, and our coaches who work tirelessly to help women all over the world through one-on-one coaching and support groups. The Betrayal Trauma Recovery Club is going strong. So if you're interested in joining, go to groups and you can join there. You get access to an AppSats facilitated session every single weekday and two on Tuesdays. We did that so that women can get as much support as they need for a very low cost because we know that many women going through trauma are also having financial difficulties. Coach Ray is partnering with Dr. Jill Manning to do How Do I Protect and Heal My Children? Dr. Jill Manning will help her facilitate that group. We're also going to be starting the group Workbook Study Facing Heartbreak and healing my self-worth and self-image, and also understanding and managing triggers. So if you're interested in any of those, we already have women registered, and those will run as soon as they're filled. If you register, please make sure that you link to that description page in your secret Facebook groups and let other women know, hey, I'm taking this, join, and we will start that group as soon as it fills. I appreciate everyone who tries to help get the word out about BTR. I just have a quick story. One of my friends recently went to a church training on this topic, and the gist of the training was that both the husband and the wife are hurting. And this leaves out the fact that the woman is a victim and that the husband is a perpetrator. We know that men are hurting from their addiction and from their sad choices, but just because they are making sad choices doesn't mean they don't need to be held accountable. And part of that, oh, I need help kind of a thing is also manipulation that they do to keep the women and to keep other people from holding them accountable. This training was by a really good therapist, apparently, who doesn't have training in abuse. So please help get the word out about BTR. Abuse is so misunderstood and so frequent with men who use pornography that women really need to understand the abuse piece in order to heal and make sure that the emotional abuse has stopped and the trauma has stopped. So thank you to all of you who are donating, 
who are posting about BTR on Facebook or other places to let people know. One other bit of exciting news, we're in the process of building an awesome new website. So if you see some weird stuff going on on our website, please excuse it for now. Or if you see typos, please let us know so that we can change it and get ready. I just wanted to let everyone know that you might see some kind of weird stuff. And if you can donate to help us upgrade the website, we would really appreciate it. And until next week, stay safe out there.